Hello and welcome to the conversation. And yes, this is episode two. And in the last week, we saw a Pfeiffer from Pat Cummins. We saw a quick fire hundred from Travis Head, and a dismal English batting performance as Australia draw first blood in this Ashes series. Yes, it was lovely to wake up every morning and um, of these uh, these last four days. Um, it was a different experience because normally for the New Zealand Test matches in India, I I get to watch the last session or a bit of the the before the tea break. But for this one, I couldn't really watch anything because I had to get ready for school. And yeah, my reaction uh, to a, a few of the performances by England um, were amazing. And it was uh, quite funny to go up to my teachers at school uh, who follow cricket, especially after the first two days, and ask her, so what are you making of the Ashes? And they walk away unimpressed. Um, because, of course, as you know, England were just... They were outplayed by Australia, but I don't think that was very hard for what England did at the Gather. Um, but we're going to break that all down uh, here. Yeah, so let's move on to a timeline now. So on day one, Route won the toss on a bright but slightly overcast day. I was there at the Gabba for all four of the days that it was played. Um, on day one especially, there was quite a few storm clouds around, but it just didn't rain at the Gabba. It's quite weird, actually. But anyway, despite the green tinge of the wicket, he opted to bat. And Warby Burns was out first ball. I wouldn't say it was quite innocuous, um, but it was a ball on leg stump that swung back in that had hit a middle leg. And Burns, who has had a problem with his f- front foot going too far across, of course he's got a very quirky stance and movements and things. But it was a ball even I would have not missed. And I'm a number 11 for my teams. So, um... Yeah, it was uh, probably the worst start at an Ashes tour, and this could be symbolic of England. I generally had hope for England, I, and I did think they would do better. Um, but yeah, the, the start seemed scripted, and the the Ashes was up and running right from the very first ball. The, the reaction as well from the Aussie team was incredible. And Karthik, you can tell me what the atmosphere was like inside. Yeah, it was absolutely electric. So after that first ball went off, there was, I think, multiple beer, plastic <laughs> cups thrown up in the yeah. air. And it was quite amazing to watch, really, because... Everyone went mad. Yeah, it was totally mad. It was like you were at the IPL in India for the final or something. It's raw well, emotion, isn't it? It's because, because for Aussies, winning against England, the Ashes... It's almost like a battle in a big war. It's a bit like there's a there's a 150 years war, and this is the start of a new battle, and they only see the battle once every four years uh, on Australian soil, and so it's almost as if they've dealt the first blow in a in a battle, and the, and they're all celebrating back at home. So yeah, it's um anyway, it's back to the script. As England um, were reduced to 11 for three um, after. Uh, Milan went fishing outside off stump. It was a good ball, uh, to be fair, uh, from Hazelwood. 
Um, yeah, it, it was. It, there was quite a lot of bounce on yeah. it. I think he might have been able to leave it, but you know, in that split second, you do what you do. Yeah. And he, it just caught the edge and went to Alex Carey, right? Y- yeah. Or his first slip. I'm not sure. And, and then Joe Root, um, the batsman saviour for England, was gone for a duck, Paisterwood, uh, as England found it 11 for 3, and then later 29 for 4. Following route, it was Ben Stokes making his return to cricket in general. So he was, he came out quite positive. Him and Hamid, they were um, punishing the bowlers. It looked like he was, he, he in fact stepped down the wicket quite a few times to Hazelwood and hit him through cover. So Hazelwood's figures uh, went a bit awry following that. But he too, what did he do? Did he get edged out? I think he edged out as yeah. well. Yeah. And then there was a, um, a counter punch. Evan Butler and Pope, who hit mm. a few boundaries, um, got it across the lush, beautiful turf. Um, especially watching on TV, when you see the sun beating down on the grass, it's just it's just an amazing sight. Um, but uh, Pat Cummins, who is, of course, Australia's captain, got them back into the game uh, and showed that he still had all the ability despite being the captain. I don't know what I'm saying. He just bowled really well. Um, <laughs> uh, he got a five from the end, um, and he triggered a five for fifty-five collapse um, uh, with England as they were bundled out on the first of the Ashes for one hundred and forty-seven, and the last session was washed out. Yep. So day two, uh, Australia came out to bat. It was David Warner, Marcus Harris. Marcus Harris struggles against the new ball continued, and uh, it doesn't help that you're an opener. So he, he edged out to Ollie Robinson, who was bowling really well. And then it was just the English, one, bad luck with the no ball and the technology, and two, just the drop catches and the fielding. What do you have to say on that? Yeah, so um, after Marcus Harris went, Labuschagne and Warner built up a good partnership, and it was it was very reminiscent of Australian top orders of the past, uh, casting the bowlers around the park. It wasn't, it wasn't a... A hundred fifty-one partnership, I think it was, um, and then Warner around a sixty-seven was bowled by quite a good delivery actually uh, by Stokes, but then we found out that it was a no ball, and it was later revealed that for this test match they didn't have the technology to call no balls, and that in the previous few overs Stokes had bowled fourteen. No balls. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, but I do think it's therefore the onus of the on-field umpires who do that at lower levels. They've done it in the past, before 2019. They should be calling them. Anyway, they were unlucky there. Uh, Warner edged to Burns at third slip, and Burns dropped a pretty straightforward catch. Hamid missed a run out from three yards and utter chaos from the English fielders um, but Ollie Robinson uh, got two and two uh, after he got rid of Steve Smith and then Cameron Green for Golden Duck um, but then the guy under pressure who was questioned for his place in the side he showed uh, just how good a player he is I heard he was in good form in the Sheffield Shield but Travis Head, Karthik, made a blistering yeah. 100. Yeah, it was 
great to watch. So on that first day, I think it was T. Um, everyone was falling around him, and he was on naught. And then he came out of T, and I think he was just told to play his natural game, which is you know very aggressive. And he scored a hundred in one session, which is making history because that's mm. the first time at the Gabba where someone has scored uh. Test match hundred in one session. So yeah, I think. He played a great knock under pressure, and I think he cemented his spot for the rest of the tour. And his reaction was just pure emotion. Um, and he went really, really red. So I presume it shows how um, how hot it was out there. Um, they finished on 300 and something for the day, I think. Then at day three, Stark hung around as Head made his uh, 150. Uh, Stark added a few more runs to Australia total. Nathan Lyon uh, took on the short bowling for Mark Wood, uh, and he got a few runs as the Aussies were bowled out for they bowled out for four hundred and twenty-five. Um, in terms of the English bowling effort, uh, we'll talk about it later. But Ali Robinson was quite good. Um, uh, Mark Wood got up to one fifty clicks, which was very nice to see. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, Karthik, the English batting effort. Hamid and Burns, the two openers for England, um, they were sent back to the pavilion quite quickly. Uh, they didn't put too much fight, but then it was David Milan and Joe Root for the rest of the day. So they both scored 80-plus, I think. I think Root scored 83 by the end of the day's play and Milan 73. Mm. But then they couldn't get to their hundreds on that day, and I think... Everyone knew that it would be quite hard for them to get to their hundreds the next day. So they after they played out two sessions, no wickets falling and stuff, the next day it was a total collapse. So after hitting a few boundaries, I think David Milan gifted Nathan Lyon it's his 400th wicket. Yeah. And then um, Joe Root fell, edging one from Cam Cameron Green to Terry. Yeah. I think he could have left that ball as well, but, you know, things happen. And so, thing just fell around him after that. Yeah, was, yeah, everything fell around him. So I think they lost eight for forty-four or something right. like that. But and but let's be optimistic. I think at the end of day three, um, people were saying that there was potential for a possible draw, uh, because England were behind by seventy runs, and the deficit isn't that big, especially in Australian conditions, and based on how uh, and Milan were looking, um, there was a possibility that. They could make a few more runs, get to their hundreds, um, and uh, really put the owners back on Australia. But but they fell early on day four, and um, they gave the Aussies a target of 17, I think it was. And uh, Warner uh, had a minor rib injury. Is that the case, Karthik? Yeah. So, yeah, that appara- mm. apparently so. So he had a rib injury and then he couldn't be seen at the ground or something like mm. that. And um, they just sent in Alex Carey, who does open the batting for white ball cricket. Um, Ollie Robinson snaffled him up, but Marcus Harris a hit a four to seal the deal and win the first test match of the Ashes. Let's move on to some talking points now. So first up, we have the toss. Personally, I thought it was the wrong choice from Root. Um, it looked like perfect British conditions, you know, with the overcast condition. It was a green wicket. Robinson and Wokes both ready in the wings, but 
Root looked confident at the toss while stopping to bat. He said he had full faith in his top order, but I think his de his decision may have been on the back of not having to bat fourth on this pitch, which he thought would deteriorate, deteriorate and it did to some extent. What and about that, you? yeah, sorry, and that opinion that it would deteriorate was something that carried through his decisions um, because he picked Leach when he and he picked neither Broad nor Anderson which I think most people agree was a mistake. Um, because for your first test match, it was the first time in five years uh, that it happened when you, when you had neither Broad or Anderson. The first test match of an Australian and test series when there's a history of doing bad in the first test match at the gather, you need the experience head of at least one of them. I kind of agree with, uh, with Anderson being saved for the next pink baller at... Adelaide, but um, yeah, I agree. I think in terms of other things for the toss, um, a Pat Cummins, I said that he wasn't sure what to do. He called it a 50-50 decision. Um, apparently the pitch was damp, I heard on uh, Sky Sports. And the other thing is that for England, their bowling is their better suit. Yeah, so therefore they should have done that first, is what you'd agree. I think. But... I'm my theory, and what a lot of people think is you have the ghosts of Nasser Hussain. I'll explain. In uh, 2002, Nasser Hussain uh, opted to bat, so I opted to bowl first, um, and the Aussies made 500 and something. And yeah, then on the back of Matthew Hayden's 190 odd, and then yeah, a punter made a century as well, and. Um, they won uh, by 300-something runs, the Aussies, and it was because he thought that the pitch uh, had a little bit in it for his bowlers, um, and when it didn't. So I think, and what a lot of people think, is that that was playing on his mind, which is, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because that happened 19 years ago, and it's on his mind beca because people are talking about first test matches on... Uh, the Gabba pitch. Anyways, it was a wrong decision, uh, but it was a difficult one, is what we'd say. Uh, a picking Leach, Leach. They had a clear game, uh, a clear game plan, a clear game plan, didn't they, Karthik, to uh, to go after him and not let him settle. He didn't board the best of deliveries, um, and we expected more from him. But he's a very unfortunate player in the sense that his uh, playing has been dependent. On Stokes playing because 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 he's not that good a batsman, despite him getting 92 as a, as a night watchman and getting the all important run at Headingley in 2019, um, he's not uh, the batsman that we need. You need a spinner on mm. any Australian pitch. You need a spinner, and for England, it was either Don Bess or Jack Leach. But Joe Root's and good enough. Joe Root's good enough. He has a fifer. Yeah, I think India. In India. No, yeah, yes, but for for Australian conditions on that pitch, which the Gabba pitch is hard. Does it have a history of deteriorating? Not well, a lot. It was I don't deteriorating think. this game. So you see, Nathan Lyon picked up three wickets in the second innings, which is yeah. really the third innings. Mm. So I don't know. I but think if you had a really good spinner, I think if you had um, 
Graham Swan from mm. England, mm. he would have done much better. Yeah. I think Jack Leach, especially with the matchup he provides, what is it? His left arm yes. spinner. So, yeah. I think you would pick him because Australia does have quite a few right handers. They have they have Warner, they have Harris, they have Head. No, Warner's Warner's left arm oh, yeah. for left handers. Yeah. Yeah. As all left handers, they have Stark and Hazelwood if you want to count that. Um mm. and Alex Kelly. That's six left handers. Whereas you just have Smith, yeah, Lavishane and Green are very good place for Spain as well. So um the other stuff is the fifth test match is now gonna be a day night one at Hobart, which gives another opportunity for England to use their uh, swing bowling skills. Nathan Lyons, 400, it's been a long time coming, um, but still a remarkable feat. Uh, just speaks volumes of the quality bowler that he is. Uh, what do you I think of it, Karthik? Of Nathan Lyons, 400, yeah. I think it was a long time coming, so he was sitting on 399 for the whole... For the whole last test match for mm. the India series. So it's been an 11-month wait for him to get to that 400. But yeah, all things come in good time. So he did achieve it. I think he's only the third Australian to go past 400 wickets. Right. Which is remarkable. So congratulations to Nathan Lyon. Moving on, what do you think the positives were for England, Addy? Well, you do have to look at the positives, don't you? In a, in a uh, quite bad uh, performance uh, for them. I think... Ollie Robinson, um, a performer well as the leader of the attack in this case. Um, he was bowling good lengths. Another person we thought might find the balance of Australia difficult was Cecilia Mead, especially because of his technique. But in the minor 20s and 30s that he made, he looked uh, very good. Um, and if he can just hold on and carry on for a bit more, that will be a hugely beneficial. In the second innings, it was just a strangle down the leg side, which yeah. got him out, which mm. is sort of unlucky, but I think he'll do well for the rest of this series. Another bowler, which is a positive, was Mark Wood. So I think in the first innings, he took three for. Yeah. And uh, he was bowl- he was hitting the 150Ks, as mm. you were saying, and he was extracting all the bounce that was possible from this Gabba pitch. And you can only uh, wish that we had both Archer and Ollie Stone here as well, because if because if we did, then you could alternate between them. But now it's just him, and you probably want to save him for the Melbourne Test match now, so you can't play him at Adelaide, which is okay, because it means that you can get bored in an Anderson in if you need to. But yeah, and the other thing was Root scoring runs, um, and the fight back from the two senior pros of Milan and Root, um, they, they showed that you can bat on this pitch being an English person, um, which is a bit of a, a bond statement. But it, it was good to see Root get some runs um, and that, that will give him a lot of confidence, especially after the duck in the the first innings. The last thing we want is for Root's confidence to go down. So that's that. What about what uh, didn't go so well for England, Garthic? I think... It was Jack Leach and Ben Stokes, firstly. So they looked really, really... I think Stokes looked really tired in the first innings. Mm. He was even on chasing the ball and then even throwing it back. He looked really um, unhappy and frustrated. It's no match practice, I think. I think that's the issue, isn't it? The, it's just, it, he's not played any matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he, Jack, Jack Leach was terrible in mm. the first innings. <laughs> I think they took after him. 
What is it? What happened? He went for like eleven and over. David Warner and minus Labuschagne just started belting him around the whole yeah. pitch. Yeah. So Jack Leach leaked quite a lot of runs. Another negative was Rory Burns. What do you make of that, Adi? You could call him Jack Leak if you wanted to. Um, that's a nice headline, actually, isn't it? Um, Rory Burns. Um, yeah. Look, we knew that he he's now got six golden. No, he's now got six ducks. Uh, as an opener this year, the most um, for a batsman this year, and he has got an unorthodox a technique. We have to live with it, but he has a big part to play in this series. The opener is a massive, massive role uh, in Ashes series, especially a down under. So he really needs to do his job uh, well, and you can only hope that he gains some confidence back um, from his previous performances because we know that he can do it. He just needs to do it. In terms of uh, the rest of the batters, Butler, Besto, Pope, they didn't, uh, and Stokes, to an extent. Not best. Not yes. Best, um, uh, thank you. Uh, they didn't perform and they need to, they need to do better in Adelaide, um, which is going to be uh, uh, more difficult because the ball is going to swing. Um, the fielding effort, there were and there were drops, there were misrun out of course of uh, of Hamid. So, yeah, it's just it's just sloppy stuff. Which I don't know if it's a psychological thing or if it's just a lack of skill. I don't think it is. Um, I think you... it's I think it's going to be interesting. So, following this test match, how they come back mm. from this and the level of resilience they show. So. You see uh, uh, India, after they got rolled for 36 in Adelaide, they came back to actually win the series mm. 2-1. So I think it'll be interesting to see how England responds to this loss mm. and hopefully they learn from their mistakes and come back harder in Adelaide. And in terms of changes, I think they're probably going to rest Wood and bring in Anderson in his place. And the other option is whether you want to um, drop either a Wilkes or Leach and bring in Vaud. Um, I'm not sure which one. Uh, well, you don't have a spinner. You're saying Joe Root can do the job. I, yeah. I think he can do a job and then uh, Don Best has been doing uh, decently in the Lions can game. Can Don Best bat? He can, yeah. He can, yeah. So, okay, because then, because if they choose both Broad and Anderson and leave out Wokes, it means that they lose a batsman because Chris Wokes has a test 100. So... I yeah, think. and in Adelaide, you don't want to be short of batting either. Do you not? What do you mean? It's a day-night test match, so it's going to be swinging, and of course. I think if you but, lose a top, but you would rather, but but you would rather have a bowling attack that can take a twenty wickets, yeah. wouldn't you? So, yeah. uh, some things to think about for the English management. For Australia, however, uh, yes, they won, um, unsurprisingly, but it was. Um, a convincing win and a lot of positive to be taken from it. Yeah, so firstly, you know, it has to be their bowling attack. Um, Stark was used very well by Cummins for his first time. I think he came out saying that he wanted to uh, see some advice on how to use Stark efficiently. So he was used as, you know, a short, sharp bowler. He was given, I think, two, three overs from each end and he, he was given immediate break. He created something about Stark which is often overlooked, I think, is... 
him and Lyon working yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. So he, because him being that big left-armed bowler, he comes in and creates massive amounts of footholds for Lyon to target in the third innings. So I think he'll keep his spot, and he's picking up early wickets with a new ball as well. Other person in the bowling attack, Cummins. He was imperative first innings. Um, Fifer on debut as captain. I think that was amazing. He was um, he crippled the top order and t- cleaned up the tails. He did yeah. the job. Nathan Lyon, Addy. Um, yeah, I was going to say about Stark. It's something really interesting to see how a bowler captains. Um, and a very interesting point made is that uh, Pat Cummins knows what a bowler wants. So, for example, he got all five of his bowlers on before lunch. I heard that he made 14 bowling changes within the day. So, because he's coming from the point of view of a bowler, he knows what the bowler would want, which would be to bowl a couple of overs uh, before lunchtime, get the nerves out. Um, but he's coming to bowl really well. Stark was good. Again, he was being criticised by Warren um, for not doing well. They wanted Jai Richardson in. He did really well there. And Nathan Lyme, he didn't look threatening in the first innings and for the majority of the second innings, but it was a very snowball effect. And when he got one, he got a many. And he ended up with four for 89 or something, I think. No, yeah, uh, a four for 89 of his figures um, at the end of the English innings on day four. Probably the most obvious positive in the Australian our team for this test match was Travis Head. So he was fighting for a spot this test match mm. and the next one, I think. So he was a counter-attacking 150. So he, as I mentioned before, he reached his 100 in just one session. Definitely cemented his spot for the rest of the series. And it came at, at such a crucial time because England looked to be gaining some momentum after yeah. Green went out for the first ball, Dark and Smith also uh, was sent back early. Yeah, England could have gotten on and roll there. Um, and he basically proved the statement that attack is the best form of defence. And he just went all out. The other um, a good thing to see was the form of Warner, um, who he had a torrid time uh, last season, but he looks good. And it's nice to see him carry on his form from the World Cup uh, into this. Um, they had an important partnership really set up the Aussie innings and it was because of that partnership that uh, gave Travis Head the licence to go and play the innings he did um, and um, yeah it was a really good partnership in terms of Alex Carey uh, he his first test match um, and yeah looked uh, pretty good what did you make of uh, looking at him in person yeah he, he looked like a solid keeper he mm. took eight catches in the game so that's the most on W for a keeper mm. Um, I think it's pretty hard not to get so many catches when you have such a bowling lineup. You know, Cummins, Stark, um, and Josh Hazelwood. I think he didn't do anything wrong, but they were fa- fairly straightforward cut catches. So, what did you make of Green, of Cameron Green? Yeah. Um. So, down on the Golden Ducks podcast, made an interesting point of I keep calling these points interesting. Made a a significant point um, that. Of what he'd seen of Cameron Green, uh, which isn't a lot, um, that he wasn't very impressed. Or, as in, he didn't understand the hype around him. And for Australia, they really wanted an all-rounder. 
because Australia's always been from from the two thousands. They've been a six batsman keeper and four bowlers. But if, but if they have an all rounder, that just gives them so much more flexibility now. And that's why Mitchell Marsh, for example, got a, such a long run um, and was really pushed until he just wasn't doing anything for them. In terms of Cam Green, he's a very, very good fielder. You can't, you can't not look at that. He's a very good gully fielder. Um, and his bowling is not a threatening. It's okay. It's accurate, but it's not amazing. And his batting, he's not yet had a big 80 or 90 innings that we expect. So um, I think he needs to do more to prove that the best fit for this Aussie team. So I'm losing my words now. But um, but I think what was most impressive was his bowling on day four um, after he got Joe Root and then uh, that's when he looks a bit more attacking. It looks a bit more threatening. And um, so, yeah, it was a it was a good test match for Cameron Green apart from the Golden Duck, but he needs to do um, do more if he's going to survive in this a competitive Aussie team. There we go. I think I think I've just about I rescued it there because I know for a point I didn't know where I was going. Okay, Karthik. Um, I guess they did win, but there were a few things to work on for next time. I think the most obvious one in this is Marcus Harris. So he he looked all at sea against the new ball bowl, the new ball bowling of Ollie Robinson and uh, Chris Wokes. Mm. I've heard some people say that they want Kawaja in instead of him. So you know Travis Head, you, you can't really move him now. Mm. So it's I think Marcus Harris is fighting for his spot because he was only really in it because his I think South Australian no Victorian opening batsman Will Pukowski went out with a head injury. Mm. So. Again. You know? Yeah, again. Mm. Which is, I think it's like ninth or 10th or mm. something like it's, that. It's just unfortunate. And uh, mm. the middle order collapse of Smith, Green and Kirby. Um, they were lucky for what their performances not to have had a huge consequence because of heads innings. But you would want them to do slightly better. Steve Smith, again, just didn't really uh, look the part. And uh, Josh Hazel would be heard as been uh, scanned for a side strain so we'll see hmm. uh, the results of that um, any changes apart from him uh, maybe Kawaja because he's probably better player of swing for the next test match at Adelaide um, nothing else and let's uh, use that to have a smooth transition over into the second test match um, which is going to be played at Adelaide a pink ball test match, which for th- are those new, um, we normally play test match cricket with a red ball, but to accommodate uh, for day-night test matches where the last session is played and dark skies under light, you play with a pink ball so that it... Pref- Why do we use a pink ball, actually? For I think reason. it's because the red, red ball is harder to see at night, yeah. so I think the pink ball is used just for better visibility. Player of the match, um, Addy, Travis Head? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Travis Head. It was either Travis Head or Pat Commons, and I think Travis Head because of his uh, counter-attacking innings. Mm. I think he gets it. Um, so, yeah, the second test match, uh, England needs to come back. If England lose, they've lost the series. Simple as that, because momentum is such a big thing in cricket. And so is confidence in sport in general. 
if you lose at Adelaide after the big blow that Gavit is, because it's just a psychological thing of here we go again. So you need to you need to win in Adelaide um, if you are going to uh, put up a fight against the mighty Aussies. And that pretty much wraps up this episode. I think it was um, quite a long episode for our conversation. Probably going to be longer than our Sunday sweet <laughs> episode. Yeah. But whenever this gets out to you, um, have a good week watching the Ashes. Is there an Ashes Test match this week? No, it's. I think it starts on next. Thursday. Yeah, so it starts on Thursday. Enjoy watching that, and we'll see you next time.